Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Who here has ever uh, done something or said something and you're like, immediately you're like, I wish I could do that again. I wish I could jump in a time machine and like in a bad way, like there's like, I want to do over. I like want to like a live replay. I want to like pause, rewind and then change the script. Who's ever been in that? You want a second chance. Yeah? This crowd, this is a vibing crowd today. This is a great crowd. I'm loving this. And who knows that we don't get a second chance at everything, but today I'm here to tell you that you do get a second chance with God. And while you have breath in your lungs, while you have life in your body, while your heart is still beating, you have a chance to know God, the real God, the true God. And so we're going to talk about second chances today. Now, Jesus, uh, real guy, historical figure, he existed. People are unsure about a couple of different things, like he made some pretty amazing claims about himself, but in history, he existed. We know this historical fact. He told a number of stories, and the purpose for these stories was to illustrate who God was. He wanted us to give insight into who God was because people are like, okay, well, if I do have a chance with God or a second chance with God, like, if, if I try that, what is going to happen? Like, if I try and make a connection with God, how is he going to respond? Who's ever been, like, in a relationship with someone where it's like stepping on eggshells? Okay, who's, that, who's ever been the person that other people feel that they need to step on eggshells? Probably we're a bit of both, all right? We're a bit of both if we're honest. So sometimes we're like, oh, I don't know about God. Like, is it going to be like I'm stepping on eggshells or is he going to be like apathetic? Like if you talk to him, is he going to just like keep looking at his phone and not even like acknowledge you? Or, uh, you know, keep watching the the TV. Like, is he going to be apathetic? Is he going to be angry? Is he going to explode? Is God going to be judgy? These are the questions that we have. And the Bible is written in the stories that Jesus told are for our benefit to give us insight into the character and nature of God. And so as I recount this story, here's what I want you to be thinking. Here's what we're going to be looking. What is God doing? What is God saying? Because one of Jesus' amazing claims, which I believe is true, as amazing as it is, is that he came from heaven. He was the son of God. And so he knew God, his father, so well. And so he's like, I'm telling you this because I know him. I didn't just read about him. But I know him. And so as we go through this story, we're going to be going, we're going to be stopping and say, hey, what's God doing here? What's happening in the scene? What is his heart towards 
people. We're going to be looking at this parable. It's reasonably well known. It's called the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. Prodigal means wastefully extravagant and reckless. Wastefully extravagant and reckless. Now, Luke chapter 15, you can turn there in, the, in your Bible if you've got one on an app, on your phone, or if you have a, a hard copy of that, it'll also be on the screen. This is who Jesus is talking to. Now, the tax collectors and sinners, these are like the outcasts, were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees, the religious people, who Jesus was very critical of, religious people who put barriers to people getting to God. And the teachers of the law muttered, this man, Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them. Wow. So Jesus is talking to the sinners. He's talking to the tax collectors. He's talking to the people that had been rejected. But he's doing that in the context of these religious people who were trying to put barriers, saying, you'll never be good enough. And we're going to look at this story of a father with two sons, and we're going to particularly focus on one of those sons and what he did. And there are four movements in this story. There are four scenes in this story. And we're starting over here with this first scene, and that scene is sick of home. So Jesus continues telling this story. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he wants the inheritance before his dad has died. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got all he got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. So he got all the inheritance and then he just started partying. Who's ever heard the, the, the saying, the grass is greener over the other side? You've heard that, right? So this is what this young man did. He said, look, I don't like where I am. I want to take the money that I'm due and I'm going to go out and I'm going to leave because I believe that the grass is greener. And he walked away from his family and his dad's house. It doesn't say why he walked away. It doesn't say what caused him to. But the main thing that we need to notice here is there is distance. In this movement, being sick of home, there is distance between God, sorry, between the father and the son. And there's a gap in relations, relationship. Now, some of us, we choose to walk away from God. Sometimes because we find or can interpret Christianity as restrictive or boring we have unanswered questions, we have bad experiences, we have doubts. For other people like my wife, Beck, we don't grow up Christian. We don't know what it's like. And so she became a Christian when she was 21 years old. No one in her family uh, knew God or knew what he was doing. And for a short time, this guy was having the time of his life. Now, we said we would watch and observe what God is doing and what God is saying. When this son chose to leave his home, what did God do? He said, he said to uh, his father, who represents God, he said, I want to leave. And God said, no worries, go for it. He didn't control him. 
He didn't stop him. He didn't shame him. He had choice. He had free will. And he said, go for it. God gave him what he asked. And he said, go for it. I'm not going to stop him. I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm not going to guilt you or shame you. But go for it. God doesn't control him. He didn't cut him off. He didn't put fear into him. So the first movement is that he was sick of home. He's like, I got to get out of this place. The second movement is he became sick. Luke 14, uh, 15, 14 says, After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Here's what happened. He started to run out of resources. He started to run out of provision and protection and peace. For him, looking after pigs in that culture was the most demeaning thing that somebody could do. And he was starving. He was hungry. He began to get sick. And when I talk to, I, I talk to a lot of people, a lot of different people, different backgrounds. I talk to them about God. I ask them questions. I don't feel the need to give everybody a lecture that I meet. I find that's very ineffective. But I'm interested in their story. And I'm interested in their perception of God. And who do you think God is? And this is a point of confusion. And this stage of being sick is, it's, people are very confused. In this stage, people often think when things don't go well, they think, is God punishing me? Has God rejected me? Has he abandoned me? And let me give you a couple of pictures to try and give you insight into this. I'm going to invite uh, my helper, Twinkie. Why don't you give Twinkie... Okay, so in this scenario, Twinkie is God, and she's pretty good. She's not quite God's status, but maybe put it as a life goal. No, that's, that's false. Okay, edit that, edit, cut that, cut that from the podcast. Okay, we're back. So just say, in Twinkie's hand, she has water, and um, that, I'm very, very thirsty, so I need water. And so here's what I do. I have moved away from Twinkie, and now I say, I'm very, very thirsty. Okay, I'm, I'm extremely thirsty. Guys, I need some water because I'm very thirsty. Now, in this picture, what has happened? I have moved outside of the provision of God. And... God is offering me something, the refreshing that I need, the, the life that I need, but I've placed myself out of this and I've turned away and I have rejected God. Now, in this scenario, has God rejected me? No, God hasn't rejected me. I've just placed myself outside of the provision of God. Why don't you take another seat? Let me give you another example. So just say, at the end of this service, 
I, we finish, we pack out, pack up, and then I go to a bar and I just get absolutely blind drunk, okay? I get slizzard, all right? Like a G6, there's bottles popping and it's just, I, I drink way too much, all right? Then, stay with me, this is an illustration for those that are concerned, okay? Half of you are like, yeah, half, half, half. I don't know what's going on today. I don't know, I'm, I'm frightened. It's okay, it'll make sense in a minute. So just say that I do that, I get very drunk, I jump in my car and I run into a light pole. All right, I smash my car, the insurance doesn't cover it because I'm drunk. Okay, then what happens? I lose my job because I, you know, I, as a, I'm a community leader and part of my a responsibility is to uh, demonstrate community standards. You guys, you don't want to be led by a pastor that has no self-control in that way. So I lose my job. Um, the church has turmoil, uh, probably even more difficult than that. I have to talk to my wife and also my 11-year-old daughter, if you know her. <laughs> and so in that scenario, has God, is God punishing me? Is God rejecting me? No. I have placed myself outside of God's protection. So in this scenario with the water, I place myself outside God's provision. And in this scenario, I place myself outside God's protection. And so if we look in this scene, what is God doing in this particular scene? The answer is he's not doing anything because we have stepped outside of his protection, provision and peace and we've rejected him. We've turned our back towards God. Now, in the Bible, the word that is used to describe broken relationship with God and its effects is sin. Okay, that's, that's the word the Bible uses. And the thing about sin is, sin makes promises that it can't keep. Sin promises people the world over and over and can't deliver. There's something uh, in uh, addiction medicine called chasing the first high. Who's ever heard that, that phrase, chasing the first high? And so essentially it's this. It comes uh, from addiction medicine where the addict will return to a substance over and over again, hoping to duplicate the first euphoric experience. But often that first high is never to be had again. So listen to this, subsequent experiences are never quite as good somehow and the impact and cost of substance abuse become greater and greater as the returns diminish. Okay, so we're chasing this idea but the cost of that the highs get lower, but the cost to our bodies, to our souls, gets higher. This is a picture of what it's like without God. 
Absolutely. There is like so much, so many highs to be had. There's a lot of pleasure to be had in, in this life. But is that pleasure sustaining? Can it be repeated or are we just trying to jump from one high to the next and we were never meant to live like that? Science and medicine tells us that we weren't. Our brains aren't wired. So sin makes you sick. This second stage, first stage, sick of home. Second stage, sick. Sin makes you sick. It makes promises it can't keep. It says, if you do this, then you will feel this way. If you get this, then you will feel that way. But then when you get there, it's like, oh, I was only joking. You've got to actually do this. You've got to get hot. You've got to, you know, you've got to do this. And the problem is we feel the pain. We don't, can't always explain it. Sometimes we're a little bit ashamed of what has happened, the choices we made. Because this is about second chances. This is about things that we regret. But we go, okay, well, I've just got to go and try something else now. This is not what God has made us. With broken relationship with God, you, you lose true freedom. You step outside of that provision and peace and protection. So first stage, sick of home. Second stage, sick. Third stage is homesick. This is where the penny drops. And you're like, maybe the grass wasn't greener. Maybe the promises that I thought, the experiences that I thought, don't actually fulfill me in life. And this is the point where you say, I need a second chance. If there was a second chance, I would consider it. This is what happens. Who has been, I don't know what your home environment is. Not everyone's home environment is a great environment. But who has ever had like a longing just to be home? Like you've been on a trip or travel, Twinkie from the Caribbean, um, unable to travel back and forth very easily. That feeling, I remember it was about two years ago, maybe a little bit longer, I went um, for, to Thailand to do some preaching and stuff with my dad. It was the longest I've been away from my family. It was about 10 days. And towards the end of that 10 days, okay, this is how bad it's got. Can we be real? This is how bad this... We're a safe environment, right? Yeah? We got each other's back? Okay. It got so bad that I even played Baby Shark. <laughs> Out of my own free will. All right, because I missed my kids, all right? That's how bad it got. That's the low of being homesick. I know we've got some new parents that can't wait to get home at the end of the day. When you're homesick, something starts to trigger and you say, maybe there's another way of doing it. Maybe what I thought I wanted is not actually what I want. Maybe I'm actually the one who has separated myself from peace and provision and protection. Maybe it's not that God has punished me or rejected me. And it says in Luke 17, uh, 15, 17, it says, When he came to his senses, there's a turning point 
where you're like, maybe there's a different way. Maybe that not everything that is presented to me in my culture, in the shows that I watch, in the music that I listen to, can actually deliver on its promises. And you come to your senses. And he says, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I'll go and set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So here's the thing. Here's what is a necessarily necessary ingredient here. It's a word that we don't use a lot, that in our culture we don't hold up as a, as a high value, but the word is humility. Where you say, maybe I don't have enough resources within myself to do this life alone. Maybe I can go really well for a short amount of time, but after that, What's next? What sustains me? And this is what it means for us to come to our senses. So three stages so far. The first one, sick. Second one, sorry, sick of home. Second one, sick. Third one, homesick. And fourth one is homecoming. And this is when it starts to get good. And this is when we see the nature and character of God. It says, verse 20, So he got up and went to his father. As soon as you turn, as soon as you say, Hey, God, I, I, I don't necessarily know everything, but there's something within me that says, I can't do this life on my own. As soon as you do this, watch the response. This is what God's doing. He says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Here's what I want you to know is that God doesn't run away from runaways. God does not run away from runaway. The moment that you turn to God, even in a small way, you've got to see that he is coming towards you. He is opening his arms towards you. What does he do? He doesn't say, okay, let's have a seat. Come to the waiting room. Let's go through a checklist. You've been away. Let's go through all the naughty things that you've done. He doesn't say that. He says, I love you. My heart is for you. Do you know the feeling when somebody, they really want you to win? They really want you to succeed. They are, their heart is for you. Do you know that feeling? Have you got, hopefully you've got somebody or some people, there's like, this, I know this person has my back. They're in my corner. Sometimes that person is the best person to tell you the truth about yourself. But you know that they want you to succeed. This is the picture of God. God is running to you. God does not run away from runaways. 
Now, here's the fascinating thing about this passage. The Queen of England is the most well-known, I would say, a royal figure in the world. A couple of uh, things about the, the Queen of England. Her clothes are specifically designed to never crease. Okay, they are constructed, constructed and engineered to never crease. The other thing is, she never gets blisters in her shoes because she has an assistant wear them in. Okay, some of you are like, wow, that's cool. Others of you are like, where can I get such an assistant? <laughs> I, would like, I would like to know of this. How can, I, how can I make this happen? So the Queen of England represents, I believe, would you agree that she represents manners? Being proper? She would represent royalty very well in her conduct. Have you ever seen the Queen of England run? No. Have you seen her in, like, Lorna Jane, Jim Weir, Jim Weir, just ducking down to the shops to pick a couple of things up? You haven't seen her like that. She has reputation. She carries herself in a certain way. What's fascinating about this passage is that in that culture, the head of the house, the father of the house, they would never run. And so this was shocking. This is like saying, I went to the Queen of England and she was my mother and she started running towards me in front of other people. Why did Jesus include this? He wanted to give people a different picture of who God was. What's your picture of God? Is he angry? Is he judgy? Is he aloof? Is he like that royalty? Never makes a mistake, couldn't care less about you. Jesus is like, no, I know him. And I want you to know him too. And I want you to get this picture of a God who loves you. He doesn't run away from you. He doesn't run away from you. You mess up, he doesn't, he doesn't make it hard for you. He doesn't say, okay, come home. I'm going to give you one week of silence. Then I'll talk to you. When you talk to him, he doesn't say, no, it's too soon. Not ready. His love is extravagant for you. And the son said to him, father, I've sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Imagine if you were the fatted calf and you saw the son coming down the street. You're like, oh no. I hope he's a vegan. Imagine. He says, let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Is that the picture that you would have for when you decide to come to God? And even if you've made a mistake this week. Here's what I say. A sign for those that are Christians, a sign of Christian maturity is how quickly you come back to God after you've made a mistake. Because his arms are always open. 
God is quick to restore. Okay, God's second chance doesn't God's second chance puts you in first place. God's second chance puts you in first place. He doesn't say, okay, all right, go over to this place. These are for the people that have walked away, that have messed up. Okay, here's all the good people. Here here are some second-class citizens or third-class citizens or fourth-class citizens. The the son said, "I'd, I'd be happy to come back as a servant. And God says, the father says, no, you're coming back as a son. All these things, the robe, the ring, the sandals, and the fatted calf, they represent things, okay? Because this uh, story was written for us, but not to us. And so the robe represents relationship and family. Some of us, sometimes when we walk away from God or we never have a relationship with God, we are isolated and vulnerable. And God says, come back in. You're part of the family now. The ring represents authority. When we separate ourselves from God, we give our power away. We become powerless. And God says, you have authority. The sandals. In that day, slaves didn't have any shoes. But a sandal was a sign of freedom. And God wants to restore you into freedom. Freedom is not, for me, freedom is not Can I do whatever I want, whenever I want? I actually find that quite oppressive for me and those around me. Freedom is, can I freely love myself? And can I love those around me? That's my picture of freedom. So there's freedom. The last one is the fatted calf, which means abundant provision. Abundant. He was not eating, not even eating the pig scraps to eating the best of the best. Okay, that's a big jump. And it's that kind of jump that God invites us into. God's second chance puts you in first place. Now, all the mistakes that you've made, to God, he wants to restore you. The peace that you've actually surrendered the protection that you've placed yourself out of. With God, he says, I'm going to heal your heart. What do we mean by that? Inside. The way you think about yourself. Do you think that you're worthy of love? Do you have peace? Some of you, we've been hurt. We've been deeply hurt. We've been deeply wounded. God says, come back to me. I'm not going to give you like a token prize. I'm not going to give you a participation medal, but I'm going to put you back in first place. There's no layers or categories of relationship. Some of you and some of us, even right now, when we talk about restoration, full restoration, we're like, yeah, that's not me. I, I think that's too far from God or I'm not ready to accept that. But God is saying, no, it's my choice. I get to choose. And I choose to put you back in first place. We're almost done. I'm going to invite Tanya just to come and play on the the keyboard. Here's what God is doing in this story. First stage, homesick. Second stage, sick. 
Third stage. Sorry, sick of home. Third stage, homesick. And the final stage is homecoming. When we reject God, he lets us go. Why? Free will. Because he's not controlling. That's not in his nature. When we start to experience life, and some of you I know have had all kinds of crazy lives without God, you recognize that you don't have enough resources. And when you come to your senses, that moment that you choose and you say, hey God, I want to come back to you. That's the moment that he starts running towards you. And that's the invitation that I want to give. There are two people, two types of people here today. And the first type you're like, haven't heard much of this before. Don't really know the story. But there's something within you that says, deep within me, if I'm honest about myself, there's some stuff here that I can't fix by myself. That the the way that I'm doing life, it's not going to fix it. There's some hurt. There's some pain. And I'm going to give you an opportunity just to turn that direction, just to say, God, I'm coming to you. And when you do, you will start to experience God's love his peace and it will be amazing the second group of people you're like hey i i i know god loves me i've i've been in church a little bit i've been a christian but there's something that god has yet to fully restore maybe it's a pain it's a hurt something from the past and i'm going to pray for you as well could you do something for you could you just um bow your head and close your eyes just i want to give people the opportunity to respond in a way that i can just see you and and pray for you so this morning if you're in that first category and you're like andrew i don't i don't really know a lot about god but there's something within my heart that i realize i can't do this life on my own if that's you I want to pray for you and I'd love for you to just put up your hand uh, just so that I can know who you are so could you do that now yeah I see that hand yeah see those hands awesome and I pray for you yeah thank you Lord Lord I thank you for all those people that have put up their hands Lord Lord we pray that your presence, the presence of God, you are real, your power would touch them in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you would fill them, God. Lord, as they start to make a direction, head towards you, Lord, you're not going to run away from them. You're not going to reject them. Thank you, Lord. Jesus' name. And that second group of people, if you're here and you say, hey, there's some stuff going on that is not completely restored. I don't need to know what that is, but I do want to join my faith with yours and believe that God can restore you 100%. If that's you, would you put up your hand wherever you are? And I'm, yeah, there's heaps. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the second chance. Maybe it's even the third chance or the fourth chance or the fifth chance. But when we set our direction towards you, you meet us 
You restore us completely, not partway. And so, Lord, we thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you for uh, being with us here today. What's going to happen right now is the team's going to bring some um, food out to us wherever you are. Say good day to somebody. Uh, if you made that decision to follow Jesus, uh, you can come back next week, download the Bible app, let someone help you, and you can find out more from that QR code. As we're just connecting here, we always want to remind you, just leave some space in your group. Be on the lookout for someone else and include them in what you're doing. Awesome. We'll see you next week. For those that are doing Hello City Lights in about 10 or 15 minutes, we're going to be up there. It goes for about 20 minutes, under 20 minutes. It's just a little bit more information about our church. God bless. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.